Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Extra Help with Inside Schools, Season 2, Episode 6. My name is Tanishia Williams, and I am happy to serve as your host this term. Extra Help was specifically created to serve parents in New York City. An extension of Inside Schools, this podcast is our ongoing conversation with parents, whether we tackle major headlines in the news, share specific resources to get you through the week, or answer your questions as they surface from trending media platforms. Most importantly, this space will provide a bit of banter about most things education in New York City. So let's start with today's show, which is entitled Physical and Emotional Safety in Schools, A Bronx Tale. Since the summer of 2021, there's been an uptick in what newspapers are labeling gang-related violence with student-aged youth in the Bronx. Whether a residual of living through a pandemic or exacerbated by a variety of contemporary societal issues, the bottom line is that our babies in the Bronx are suffering. In some news articles released this summer, students were referred to as, quote, ruthless Bronx gang crews who are unafraid of cops, end quote. In a July article out of New York Post, a high-ranking police official is quoted as saying, quote, we can't keep them in jail and they're going after each other. A city prosecutor added, they don't go to jail, so they do robberies, get in fights, and carry guns. Life in the streets in 2021. What has been referred to as life in the streets in 2021 transcended into back to school 2021. We want our schools to be safe havens and places of learning, but we cannot disregard the reality that sometimes violence spills into the confinements of the schoolhouse. Today, we are joined by one of our favorite Bronx principals, Dr. Asia Johnson, leader of Longwood Prep Academy, fixated in the Longwood neighborhood in the Bronx. The intention of this episode is neither to indict or incite fear, and we want to thank you, Dr. Johnson, in advance for joining us. The point of this episode is to have a real conversation about the work of keeping students safe in schools when social emotional supports are low and violence seemingly increases. So, hey, Asia, hey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, let's jump in. I'm going to start with our, our typical review of the news. October 25th, out of PIX11, the headline, New York increasing unannounced scanning amid uptick in gun possession at schools. So what we gather out of this article is that in a short period of time, quite a few guns were recovered at a few different Bronx high schools or a few different NYC high schools, rather. And of those, I think it was around six different guns, of those firearms, three of of them were loaded. The mayor in this instance kind of uh, gave a quote where he said, we need to make sure we're adding extra protection to make sure there's never violence, neither any incident where a child is harmed. So we appreciate the mayor for definitely pointing attention to potential violence in schools, but this intimation really speaks to an increase in surveillance in schoolhouses. And one other bit that we gathered from this news article, there are around 3,200 agents at the sites across the city. And pre-pandemic, there are about 5,000 school safety agents. So we've seen a decline in school safety agents. And right now we're kind of in the middle of an increase in violence. There are a few more articles that I'm actually not going to jump into because, again, I want to make the point that the that this episode is not about increasing fear among parents. It's about one, stating what's in the news and then hearing from some of our practitioners who are out in the schools in the Bronx. So there was another article, October 22nd. The headline is five guns found on students in NYC schools in a 24 hour period. 
Another article from ABC, guns found on New York school students prompt call for action. Another article on the 21st, shootout outside Bronx Elementary School amid NYC youth gun violence crisis. So the headlines are really painting this picture of an increase in guns, students participating in gang violence. And Dr. Johnson, I want to first initially pivot to you just to hear how this news lands for you, knowing that you're you're out there working in the field. Um, I think a, a, a part of it is just um, really being comfortable with the community that you're in and knowing that our youth needs a lot of support. It's a news article, so I can't confirm or deny any of those things are actually being true. But I would say that a lot of kids coming back from the pandemic, just from standing or sitting rather in front of a computer for the past 18 months has been challenging for a lot of our, our student population. And so they're looking for ways to be re-engaged in school. So they're looking for ways to bring joy into the classroom, how to make them feel welcoming and supported when they walk in here, um, how to address any crisis that may have. Everything can be a crisis if someone steps on their shoes in the while they're on the subway, if they get pushed accidentally, it's just all of those things uh, transitions into some concerns for, for our young people. And we just have to make sure that they have the right programs and the right outlets to be able to support them. And, and yeah, I thank you for that. And I just have this wondering and this thought around like kids were at home. They, I mean, they had this mix of online instruction, remote instruction, not being able to engage with their peers and their friends in the way that they used to. So we we had this huge launch in New York City to get everyone back in person. I know that there were initial conversations about increasing social emotional learning. So, and we'll get to this in a minute, Dr. Johnson, but I would love to just hear the some of the steps that you took on like developing that social emotional learning and how you took what had been a series of events and a series of occurrences being kids being on lockdown and not being able to interact with with each other how you took that into consideration for your school planning but before we go to that we always like to to give a little bit of research in terms of the topic that we are discussing and we were able to dig out a specific article of a study that was conducted in South Bronx. And the researchers in this piece actually ran focus groups, conducted surveys and interviews with a variety of different males and females in the Bronx. And what we found from these data is that violence was pervasive in the lives of both the young men and women although gender played an important role. And when we say that violence was pervasive, they tested like exposure to violence, how students um, receive violence, the number of instances where students kind of receive violence. And this was all reported out from their um, sample. Other factors that they say influence the experience of violence include patterns of substance abuse, uh, availability and use of weapons, and a perception that the police do not respect young people. So in the end, this article really suggests actions that public health professionals can take to strengthen the ability of families, schools, youth organizations, and young people to reduce violence in low-income urban communities. So before I pivot to a bit of political strategy that we see here, I want to just share that also the governor put some money toward an anti-gun kind of research where it's like, let's figure out where these guns are coming from. Let's figure out how we can try to abate that and stop it in its tracks. 
So when we move into thoughts around political strategy, we were we were super fortunate to find actually a whole chapter in the International Handbook of Critical Gang Studies that fixated itself in New York City. So the authors of this 2021 piece actually created a chapter that is entitled Misguided Strategy, NYS Decision to Criminalize Gangs. In this chapter, they literally chronicle almost a history of gangs in New York City, unlike the movie. But uh, they talk about how New York City has a long and complicated history with gang violence. They break down gang raids and New York City's approach to kind of raid and meet out the violence. They gave information on the New York City gang database that is in existence. And then they also pivoted into this notion of harassment and hyper policing. So that goes back to our mayor saying we got to make sure that we have folks in the place and just this notion of surveillance and how that plays out in schools. So what is interesting about schools is that they take an inherently different approach from surveillance and that we do intentionally build these programs and build support in an attempt to get to the root cause through more therapeutic services. But the key to doing that is that you have to build this social emotional learning all while still putting teaching and learning at the forefront. So principles that I appreciate and principles that I like to elevate, such as Dr. Asia Johnson, put forward the notion that kids cannot begin to access any amount of content that you're putting before them in school without doing some of that preliminary exploration of that social emotional well-being and building those connections. So Dr. Johnson, this is where you get to tell us all of the amazing things that you are specifically doing at Longwood Academy, the why, the how, and how you make it all happen. Uh, so we, we start with a number of things, specifically for our incoming freshmen. We've been doing this for a number of years, is these intake appointments. So families come in in the summertime and they meet with the social worker and we take sort of a family history with them and their child. We get to learn some of the past things that might have happened, things that makes them successful, um, ways that we can be able to support them. So if they live in temporary housing or if they need any kind of support, attendance wise, any information that we need to know in order to ensure that their child is successful when they walk through our doors the first day of school, we'd like to be able to eliminate those barriers as soon as possible. So we have a planning team, which is our, our school counselors and our social workers who review the notes and start creating plans to make sure that our kids are successful. So that does happen for every ninth grader that's incoming into our school throughout the summer. The second thing that we do, uh, we have had our, one of our core values here is an acronym called SWAG. <laughs> a part of it, it's like scholarly thinking, uh, W is working productively, um, A is accountability and awareness of your community, and then G is a growth mindset. And so we've used that acronym to create uh, what's called the SWAG mentor. Some schools refer to it as success mentors, who are essentially adults in the building who invest their time into ensuring that specific scholars 
have uh, success in the school and that they're able to graduate in four years. And that's everything from um, sometimes making early morning wake up calls. So sometimes they make like 7 a.m. make wake up calls. Um, sometimes they have like lunch meetings with the, um, the student. If they um, just need to check in with them, they review their attendance history. They sort of serve as almost like an advisor for kids who need it. There's some kids who need more support than others. So they have to structure their time around like a, you know, a, a, we call it a light touch where they may not need as much support as others, but they also have someone that they can go to, which is our community school director, if that there is a, maybe a financial need or um, some other kind of external resources that we can't provide at the school, then our community school director is able to reach out to different organizations to help our families with that. So that's one layer. Another thing that we did this year, we did have gender specific town hall meetings and we did ask the kids based on the gender that they identified with if they did not identify um, with a specific gender, that was an option as well. But those town halls were geared specifically to um, unpacking um, violence that was happening in our community, how to be safe. And we actually had someone from the DOE come in. Her name is Miss Walker. She works in one of the prevention offices. She came in and, and um, did a workshop with our young ladies uh, actually yesterday of the different grade levels on this acronym and this notion of keeping it real. And the R for real. So uh, we did a workshop with female scholars around this yesterday. R stands for respect. The young ladies in, engaged in a conversation about um, how to be respectful to others and how to respect themselves. Um, e is for empowerment. So how to feel in empowered and be empowered and what does that look like in the school community and your neighborhood and as you travel back and forth to school. Um, a is accountability of being able to be accountable for your actions. And then L is love, like loving yourself, loving others and appreciating life. Our scholars engaged in a discussion around that and some strategies and ways that they are committing to doing that while they're in school and also as they're traveling back and forth just in their day-to-day -day commute. And so those are just some of the, some of the beginning things that we're starting to do. We're uh, looking into different field trips that can be done outside of New York City as well that allows to bring back the, the notion of joy in school so kids can feel good about walking through these doors and not feel like they are just coming here to read and write and learn and get a diploma because that is the end goal. But we also want some uh, experiential things to happen for our scholars as well. So I, I want to take a beat to say that you began your career 15 years ago as a teacher in your hometown of Philadelphia. You are a woman who has recently received her doctorate in education management and leadership at Drexel, and you hold a master's in educational leadership for change from Bank Street and a master's in special education from Holy Family University and a BA in English from an HBCU. And you were the 2020 Con Fellow for Distinguished Principles. So I say all those things to say that, one, we appreciate you and your scholarship and all that you have done to get to where you are, and also all of the work that you're doing on behalf of students. This is a point in our show where we kind of pivot to questions that have surfaced from parents. And I have to say, Dr. Johnson, the, the number one question that we definitely see on our site, and I think probably the number one question that's at the forefront of every parent's mind is how do I keep my baby safe? So I would love it if we could pivot that question to you as a principal, how do you, how do you recommend or what do you recommend parents do at home or in their locus of control to keep their young ones safe? 
Yeah, my recommendation for that is just to be able to talk to your child every day about what's happening in school, what's happening in the neighborhoods, not just the, the neighborhood of the school, but also the neighborhood that you live in, being cognizant and giving them tools to be aware and not naive about things that um, are, are happening, being alert, especially on the trains, where there could be things that happen that people aren't necessarily paying attention to but keeping them really focused on school and not about the external things that are happening. Sometimes kids tend to take on other people's reality. If their friends are, especially teenagers, if their friends are dealing with the situation, then they tend to take that on themselves and then they're not able to focus on schoolwork. The most important thing is that if there are um, things that they don't feel comfortable with or they know that something is happening in the school, to definitely let people know. That is a key thing of letting the staff members know that if you've heard of a potential incident or you're aware that there is a potential incident that's happening, that you do share that with the school community so that they can be able to react to that as soon as possible. Yeah, and I think you gave us a beautiful segue into our kind of takeaways and actions and things for parents to try this week. So I'm actually, I will start from the bottom up then of my list uh, to connect to what you just said. Actually, the DOE advises parents that just like Dr. Johnson said, if you know of an incident, if something's going on, you contact the principal, but also be advised that schools have respect for all representatives. So there's a principal that you can reach out to for every school, but also a respect for all representatives who does the work of kind of teasing out the violence and what's going on in school buildings. If you don't know who that person is at your child's school, make sure you check out the show notes because we're gonna link for you the web landing page where you can find the school and get that information. Another takeaway this week, or another just thing to note, is that each school has a safety plan. At the top of every year, principals are are required to complete a safety plan for their particular or respective schools. And parents, you can ask principals about that. You can say, hey, I would love to just hear a little bit more about what you got going on or what you decided to list in your safety plan so that I can be a little more informed. Analogous to that, schools also have safety plan committees. So again, parents, you can definitely reach out and say, who's on our safety plan committee? I just want to know the who's who. In our very first episode, I think we dropped that graphic organizer for you where you could list out the who's who in your building. And I don't think we had a place for the folks on the safety committee, but now is a great opportunity for you to go ahead and write in those folks. Another kind of office that exists for you to know about is the Office of Safety and Youth Development, and they're really a liaison between schools and NYPD. So the goal of the Office of Safety and Youth Development is to make every public school in New York City a safe and secure teaching and learning environment for all students and staff. To achieve this goal, that office, OSYD, works closely with the New York Police Department and its school safety division, as well as with regional support staff, principals, and other school personnel. So we've got the safety plans, the safety committee, the OSYD, the Office of Safety and Youth Development. We also have this advisement from DOE to really reach out to principals and those respect for all representatives. Dr. Johnson, any final words on what parents can do or anything else around this topic? 
No, I would just say stay informed with your school. Attend PTA meetings, you know, parent-teacher associations. Some just have parent association meetings. Make sure that you attend those meetings and you are constantly involved in the things that's happening. If the school sends a newsletter or if they send messages to be sure that you're constantly following up with those things. I always say to parents uh, when they come in in ninth grade to not be a registration and graduation parent, meaning that I meet you for the first time in registration and I don't see you again until graduation. So we we definitely, as a, especially in high school, you're needed just as much as you were needed in elementary, you're also needed in high school. Thank you so much for that. Dr. Asia Johnson is currently the principal of Longwood Preparatory Academy in the South Bronx. She has held several positions at a charter school in Harlem, including principal. Dr. Johnson also served as the director of special education programs for the New York City Department Education's District 79, where she assisted with the creation of special education instruction for incarcerated youth in secure detention and on Rikers Island. Serving as a member of the New York City's Diversity Advisory Group, Dr. Johnson assisted with developing recommendations for diversity in admissions to public schools, most of which were approved by Mayor de Blasio. She continues to advocate for racial justice and educational equity. And that is it, my friends, for this episode. But our engagement doesn't have to stop here. As always, you can visit us at InsideSchools.org for independent reviews of the city and sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll also find us pretty active on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and our WhatsApp group for Spanish-speaking families. And, and, and you can now leave us a voicemail question via our podcast homepage. You know the routine. All the links and assets are going to be made available for you on the landing page. And please consider subscribing to our podcast. If the spirit moves, you go ahead and leave us some feedback. It totally means a lot. Thank you so much, my friends. Until next time, have a great week. Mm -hmm.